Hello and welcome back to CH Network Presents, where we have conversations about the things people wrestle with when they're exploring the Catholic Church and are wondering if they should become a part of it. Today's going to be kind of fun uh, because we get to look at uh, the intersection of a couple of stories and what that might tell us about the ripple effects of following Christ. Uh, first things first, I'm Matt Swaim, Director of Outreach for the Coming Home Network. If you're someone who's dealing with issues or asking questions related to the kind of thing we're talking about today, uh, please reach out to us at chnetwork.org. We have tons of free resources for you. We also have an online community you can be a part of for free as well. That is community.chnetwork.org. And you can always support what we do and make our uh, resources free and available to anyone who comes to us uh, by going to chnetwork.org slash donate. So my guests today are Monica Anyango and Raven Johanan, and I am so excited to talk to them for a couple of reasons. Uh, when I first met them, uh, they uh, were working on a project called Bread with the Sisters. Monica has also done a project uh, called the Life of Purpose Planner, which you can find through Simplicity and Productivity. Dot com, But I met them smack dab in the middle of the pandemic, and I think Raven was like a baby Catholic, uh, and I found out the story of her journey to the church and how it intersected with Monica's, and I was like, for, for a couple of years now, I've been trying to think about how do I get these two women into the same project together to tell their story. So Raven and Monica, welcome. Thank you Thank for you. having us. So I guess we start with you, Monica. Um, if we're going chronologically... Let's start with your journey of faith, but to sort of set the stage, like what kind of faith were you raised in? Uh, where did that kind of that journey sort of take you and what brought you back uh, to the sacraments? And I mean, I know this is probably like a 12 hour story, but we'll, we'll get it in in sort of like a compact uh, way so we can sort of talk about how it intersects with Ravens, if you could. OK, so I was uh, born in Kenya and um baptized Catholic. Uh, my parents originally are from Uganda, and so I was raised in the Catholic faith, so to speak. But I, I don't think, and I hate to drop the line, that uh, there isn't a good catechesis. So in a way, we uh, we prayed the rosary. <laughs> we'd pray like five times over the rosary, read scripture, go to mass on Sunday. But in terms of um, having the faith really live out in our lives, it wasn't really present. And then we had to attend school. Like I went through a boarding school. It was a Catholic boarding school, so there were nuns present. And so a little bit of the Catholic life was um, there as well. But high school and college, uh, it was a non-Catholic environment. So I kind of got lost in the world. There's no catechesis, but I still had the Catholic identity. And then I came to the U.S. and then you get lost in the world. So uh, but in some way, um, I've always loved the smells like there's a big um, thing about the Catholic sense and all the, the lights. And whenever I even uh, in my secular Catholic ways, I always felt drawn back to the church because I just remember the lights and the incense during Easter Vigil Mass and Christmas. And it just always felt like home. So even when I bounced to evangelical uh, non-denominational kind of um, places kind of looking for an experience, I would always feel there was something lacking and I would come back to the church. So I attended mass, but I never received Holy Communion. For three years, I was sitting in the pews. I never received Holy Communion. I never went to confession. And a friend was coming to the faith and she asked me like, Monica, I've never seen you receive Holy Communion. I'm like, am I supposed to be receiving Holy Communion? Like, why should I be doing that? And, um, even the church, there was never a big emphasis on confession versus now I go to 
extra, uh, extraordinary form um, mass and confession is happening when mass is happening. So it's kind of very visible that there's something happening. So it piques your interest, like why are people standing there in the line? So I ended up having a child out of the church. Um, so, and it was through uh, having the child that God gave me the grace for conversion. So I asked the big questions, what, what is the um, purpose of life? Why do we exist? And through that, God gave me the grace for conversion through her birth. And if I could, just to you know, follow up with that, I, I wonder if you could just briefly because I know there's a lot of layers to this too. Talk about any role that Our Lady had in in bringing you back to the sacraments. So, um, growing like there's a lot of uh, mushrooming evangelical churches coming up in Uganda, and so there's uh, um, this anti-Mary um, messages that are being bombarded. So you kind of have this idea that you know the Catholic Church is the of Babylon and and the Blessed Mother is a bad thing. So I was kind of skeptical about that. I didn't really know how to connect with that. And so um, a few, maybe a year after my conversion, my mom came to me and said, oh, she threw a friend, she told me like, you need to pray the rosary. And I, I was kind of upset that she could ask me to pray the rosary, that she had the dream that I should pray the rosary. And I was kind of upset because I wasn't praying the rosary. It was through still my time of conversion. And then uh, one day I went to mass and there were the Filipino ladies saying their rosary so I, I just felt drawn to go pray with them and then they said oh a lady of Fatima is coming to the house I'm like what is that so I went to the house and I think that was the time that I said yes to the, the blessed mother so I think in the initially I had to say yes to Christ and to God and that was my initial conver conversion and I, I tell people like I was just standing in a room uh, feeling kind of drawn into this vacuum. And I said, if there's a God, please show me there was a sign. And there was an apparition in Uganda, but it hasn't been confirmed by the church. And in the morning when I woke up, I think I needed something supernatural to confirm uh, the existence of God. So that was my first conversion that I can remember. And then the second was me saying yes to come to um, uh, to the house where they were having uh, a Lady of Fatima visit. And I think that's the, the time I said yes to the Blessed Mother and um, since that time, I would just, nobody told me anything. I would ask my mom questions and she's like, why don't you look at the catechism? And so I had to validate the church on my own. And through um, her saying that, I said, looking at the catechism and I found there was a correlation with what was being revealed to me, um, with what the church was teaching. And then realizing like, oh my goodness, that's why there's this anti-Mary uh, message because she's the lady um, that, that uh, I think, what's the statement that she would crush um, the Crush serpent. the head of the serpent, right? Yeah, yeah and I think that's yeah. why there's that anti-Mary messaging because she's actually the one that leads us to Christ. And I, it kind of, I would go to mass and all these things would kind of begin unveiling themselves to me and it would just all make sense. And then I had to validate it with the catechism because my mom said, I'm tired of asking you asking me these questions. Why don't you look at the catechism? And then that was how I validated. And then... Um, one of the priests was talking about the Holy Spirit and it kind of correlated with what I was kind of experiencing, but he was talking about it from an intellectual standpoint, but I, I would experience the same thing. So um, that in brief was how um, I said yes to my to the Blessed Mother and how she's been such an influence in my life. And this was a pilgrim statue of Our Lady of Fatima. Was that what it was? Or Yes. Yeah. I just want to make it clear because for people who are watching who are not Catholic, they're like, wait, you can invite Our Lady of Fatima to her party and she'll give a talk or like, you know, just make sure people yeah. know that uh, we're talking about like a pilgrim statue that, you know, um, is just a chance to 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 really get into that devotion. Um, so at this point, you're in California, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to pause you there because now I want to know 
where Raven was. So we've got Monica, who's back in the church, who's, you know, kind of rediscovered uh, a Marian devotion back in the sacraments, going back to confession. Now, Raven, give, if you could give us like an, a, a snapshot of kind of like your sort of faith background and where you were when you kind of like had your sort of major encounter with Monica. Okay, yes. Yeah. So uh, for my background, I grew up in a non-denominational, you know, Protestant faith. So we didn't mainly, we didn't claim a Pentecostal background, a Baptist background, but we would actually, as the small church, it was a very small church of about 25 to maybe 50 people. So it was very tiny. And then we would go and visit all these different churches. And so my, who God was to me was built by them. And, uh, over time, my mom, she was very, you know, you know, devout with this church. She would take us everywhere. We would do everything. We're very, very involved, but, um, some things happened. We stopped attending this church and then all of a sudden I felt this huge missing piece and I didn't understand why, but eventually my young mind, this was, I was probably about 10 or 11. I started to realize that, oh, we don't do these things anymore. And it seems like God is removed from the picture. And so that's when I started questioning like, okay, who is God? Like I, I'm, I'm recognizing these missing pieces and what's happening in effect, but I'm not I'm not necessarily understanding the why of it. And so uh, life continues and um, I'm about to go to California, actually. So I'm from Minnesota and I traveled to California uh, for acting. Uh, but right before, you know, I had this deep tugging in my heart. Um, again, we after we had left that initial church, we hadn't attended another church in quite a few years, probably about five years and then we started attending this other one. And, you know, I kept telling my mom, like, there's this deep tugging in, in my heart. And I don't know why, like something's wrong and it's aching me. It's aching me. And I don't, I don't understand what to do with it. You know, it's just this constant pulling. And she says, oh, that's God, Raven. You know, like he'll, he'll show you soon enough. And I didn't understand what it meant. I moved to California and then that's when, I really started focusing more on God and trying to understand like who he is to like me and like, what does it mean to give myself to him? And so started praying and I ended up finding this new, another non-denominational church. And, uh, about the time when I, you know, I was praying. So I went to this non-denominational church and it was very good for where it was. I was in a lot of turmoil because I wanted God, but I wasn't sure like, what is this life of, of like what it means to like serve you, God? Like, I don't know. So then I thought, well, let me do what we used to do. We always, always would go to church. So I would just find a church and then that's the natural progression to you. Right. So I'll do that. So I started attending this church and it was very good for a time. And then after a year, I could feel the cutoff. It seemed like I wasn't getting enough anymore. And I thought, and I prayed to God, like, what happened? You know, like I came here because I was seeking you and I thought this is where you called me to, but now it's no longer, it's no longer what it is anymore. 
it seems almost a bit of a charade, uh, just a lot of different things were being presented to me and I wasn't agreeing with it. And I thought, what, what is this? What does it mean then to like worship you? What does it mean to grow in life in you? And it's like, I, I've been brought here, but now it seems like this is all that there is. And I wasn't satisfied with it. And, and so I was praying and praying. And then this now forges to where I met Monica. We lived in the same apartment complex. And I locked myself out of the house one day. No, but no, let me pause you right oh. there because you locked yourself out of the house. But, but, but prior to that, like, did you have, at the moment when you locked yourself out of the house, had you had much prior experience or encounter with, with Monica? No. I, I think we briefly saw each other once. We, uh, I was shooting something in the hallway and it was so very, very brief, but I always had that image in my mind that, oh, there's a woman who lives there with her daughter. And so I think that when I recalled that in this faint memory and I thought, oh, let me knock on her door and see if she'll let me use her restroom, but like that'll be safe. So I knocked on her door asked her if I can use her restroom. She said, sure, come in. And so I came in and then we just started talking and I say the rest is history from there. Uh, it was just good. We sat on the couch. She offered me water and just normal things. We just started chatting about different things. She would ask me questions like, oh, what do you think of this? I thought young people your age think like this or, or want to do this. How come you don't want to do this and, and this and that? And I, and I thought, I was like, oh, she's so funny. <laughs> I was like, why is she asking me all these questions? But I was enjoying it. And I was like, all right. And I remember I, we were so comfortable. I kicked up my feet on the couch because I was there probably for what, two hours? I think the towing facility was running late. So um, yeah, and then the relationship, it just... It built from there. I don't think I had saw her again for a few days, but I remember one night we had both, we were both coming home and uh, it was late at night. And then she invited me in. I said hello to her. She invited me in and the relationship just grew from there. We're going to get to where that ends you up in the Catholic church in just a moment. But I want to hear from Monica, like when this, you know, person who is from Minnesota trying to, you know, move to, crazy land California to you know, speak out <laughs> acting knocks on your door asking to use your bathroom are you thinking this is my opportunity to share the gospel like what, what were you thinking when, when Raven knocked on your door like did you have any expectations or were you just being trying to be open yeah because um since my conversion my spiritual conversion it's just God has given me this desire and zeal to want to evangelize so whenever somebody comes um presents themselves to me I, in my head, I'm like, okay, Lord, this is an opportunity to evangelize. How do you want me to speak to this person? So I'm very curious. I want to know about the person to really understand because everybody has an objection of why or an understanding of what God is. So it's, I, I try to understand. So and I think that's why I was trying to ask her, like, what is your thought process in regards to this? Like trying to really understand where she is. Um, and so that's where I, I kind of probe in a way of building a relationship and trying to understand and uh, see where the objections are and how I can respond to those objections. So 
uh, I mean, the first thing is always we should practice hospitality. So that was my thing. It's like as Christians, uh, we should show that Catholic charity and hospitality. So it wasn't really I want to preach to her, but it's just like, okay, come sit down, relax. Here's something to eat and, you know, um, and enjoy yourself and relax and just kind of, you know, tell me about yourself, you know. So that kind of stuff wasn't like, oh, yeah, I want to slump the Bible on your head, uh, but more about like building the relationship and getting to, to it's like you have to see the dignity of the person, the human person and remembering that they were made out of love and for love and trying to to see that person for who they are and where they are and trying to reach them where where they are. So it was just that. Um, so then she started asking questions. I'm like, oh, you really want to know? And I had been evangelizing for a while and sometimes the evangelizations get really bad. <laughs> I had had very two bad evangelical uh, evangelizations where I like use quote scripture and they quote back and you quote scripture and they quote back and they're going off tangent. I'm like, okay. So I was like, Lord, I'm done evangelizing. So when she presented, I'm like, oh God, another person. And so I didn't even want to evangelize because I was so bruised from all the, uh, and um, uh, the, um, kind of injuries from from the last evangelization but I was like so she started asking I'm like okay Lord she's asking questions she really wants to know so I got some books and I slammed them I'm like here are the books here read this and I had so many books and she's like ah like you know like, come back and then ask me again so it was kind of that was kind of um, then I think maybe she got overwhelmed with the books <laughs> okay, okay so- wait 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 may I say this is- this is so important, by the way. You're sharing some stuff that I feel like every single person here can relate to. So, Raven, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so this is what she's mentioning. <laughs> so there was a time we hadn't seen each other for a while. I think this was after our second visit. And uh, I hadn't seen her. It was on a Sunday. And I was coming back from you know, the church that I was at and she was coming back from her church. And uh, so I asked her, Oh, where are you coming from? She said church. And I go, Oh, we never talked about churches. What church do you go to? And she said, St. Vitus. And I was like, what's that? And she goes, Oh, it's Catholic. And I'm like, Oh, what's that? And then she goes, do you really want to know? Do you really want to know? <laughs> and so I was like, yeah. So then she goes, come inside. <laughs> so then she starts telling me all these things. And she's talking about angels and things. And I was like, oh, this is a lot. <laughs> and she's like, and afterwards, she goes, yeah, do you want to come to church? And I'm like, oh, let me go. <laughs> so then I leave. What are you gonna do to like, me if I say no? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is so so important. But okay, so here's here's what I find fascinating about your story. So let's say we switch those two encounters up, and the first time that Raven knocks on your door, Monica, asking to use your bathroom, and you've barely met, and you say. Yes, you can use my bathroom if you read these 25 books, right? Like that'd be the end of that, right? right? But instead, your first move, because you'd like learned from some kind of wild mistakes was like, I'm just going to find out about this person. Like, I imagine that that probably greatly changed the way that you reacted, Raven, when she said, let me tell you about my church. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's what it sounds like to me, just kind of hearing you talk through it. Yeah, because uh, I think we just, we built up a familiarity. Like we weren't very close, but yet we had a very like deep familiarity. So it made me more trusting towards her, you know? She was just very friendly, very kind. We enjoyed conversation. 
So there was no reason for me to be deterred by her. If, if anything, she, we built up that trusting relationship. So I was more, and then of course, at the time, I was also on my journey seeking because, you know, I was praying and asking God, like, okay, I don't know if I should actually be where I am right now. I'm not this church, but I don't think this is the place. So her being receptive, you know, to God and building that friendliness and allowing that to build naturally allowed him as he was working on me for all of that to merge for at the time when I was, even though I was apprehensive, I was very receptive to see something different because that's what I was looking for. And yes, and it allowed that, that culmination, it allowed it to happen. So yes. I think this is just so important. Um, You know, one of the things, because here at the Coming Home Network, a lot of people who come to us are people who are, you know, trying to find answers and figuring out if they're really supposed to become Catholic. Um, But a lot of the people who support us, uh, and I was mentioning them kind of at the top of the show, who, who, who give to make this ministry possible are people who are already Catholic. And the reason they do it is because they have loved ones um, who, you know, maybe were raised Catholic and are not part of the church, or maybe they're converts and would love to see some of their family come in and they just want this ministry to be as available as possible. So, uh, but in that, we get a lot of emails and phone calls are like, hey, I have a person who like, this is where they are. What book can I give them? (laughs) Right. And like, in some senses, what I'm hearing here is like, the most important thing that you did in this process, Monica, was let somebody use your bathroom. Like, <laughs> it sounds so dumb, but like, I feel like those are the opportunities we miss if we're constantly thinking about like, what book do we give somebody? Like, I wonder like what that's taught you. I mean, but we still haven't gotten Raven into the church yet, by the way. Monica, what's that taught you? Like that particular experience about like how to think about this stuff and how to listen to like where the Holy Spirit's leading these kind of conversations? I think that's one of the graces that I say, like the Blessed Mother, uh, through her, I think she gave me that. Uh, I was never hospitable. Hospitable. I think before my conversion, people always said like, I had selfish tendencies. And I think she, in a way, kind of transformed my heart to see the humanity in the other person and to, to see them as created out of love and for the sake of love and not look at the person as just a number or something that I'm going to win or a cuts, but just looking them and like loving them for who they are as God has created them. And also I think what's very important is living out their faith, that faith authentically, because it's like what we we have to uh, speak and, and preach and live out what we are saying. So if people see some inconsistency, then they're going to be like, how can I li- um, listen to what you're saying? Because it's not consistent. So I think that is the very first thing. And once we seek to love God above all, he'll guide us and, allow our hearts to transform, to see, to be the heart of Christ, to be Christ, that person who presents themselves to us. So it's not more about like how many people can I convert, but it's like, how can I be loved to the person that God has presented to me today? That's so huge. Uh, By the way, that's very different than, you know, some of us who come from evangelical backgrounds have been sort of like conditioned to think about, especially those who have like backgrounds in like the 80s and 90s, where it's like, you know, how many people have you brought to the Lord this week? You know, like, it's like Mm -hmm. a that's a, that's just a very different kind of way of thinking about it. But, um, but Raven, I want to know how you ended up in the Catholic church somewhere between like her handing you a stack of books and you freaking out, like somehow <laughs> something else happened along the way. So what was that? Uh, it's just small things, small things that happen along the way. You know, the first thing is that it, eventually I ended up, <laughs> I surprised her. I came to her house. She invited me um, to church 
and I had told her no. And then I knew what time she was getting ready. I can't remember how, but I showed up at her door and she's like, Oh, you're here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to come to mass with you. Or I think I just said church. So I, I went there and, you know, going there, it was such a sensory overload. There's, there's, I've never, never knew anything about Catholicism and never ever witnessed a liturgy. So it was so much and so foreign to me, but at the same time, very, very beautiful because it's your eyes, you're watching, you're seeing the vestments, seeing them walk down, you know, the aisle and you're seeing people kneeling and you're wondering why is this happening? And that's when in that mass was when I realized I never even said this word and that was never a part of like the vocabulary growing up, but reverence. I, I saw this beautiful reverence that really impelled me and I was really taken away with it. And especially with the singing and the incense and I knew God was there. It was everything that my heart like desired, like all the things that I had been praying about up until that moment. Um, but then even then at the same time, you're still apprehensive because it's foreign. And so it's like, wait, should I give way to this? What am I doing? And you know, what is this? Allow me to assess. But my heart just kept being drawn to it. And it was just little things along the way. We would, you know, go out and we would meet other Catholic families and I would see the beauty of this home with a Catholic family. They have like nine, ten kids within their home. Everything's running around and their house isn't that large. It's very small, but I just saw pure love. I saw the heart of Christ in it and I thought, oh, wow, I, I desire that for myself. Like, I just kept being... And I guess, again, you know, some people go through this intellectual experience, but I think mine was more of an experiential um, thing and how I was encountering God and all these different people in different situations that really drew me close to him. And then, you know, I was also dating at the time and my current, my husband, and um, we would pray the rosary together and he would never he never really pushed me towards the faith, but I would just ask him things. And one day I asked him like, oh, can you pray the rosary? And he said, sure. And, you know, I was praying it and praying it. And I remember one day thinking, I, I was saying the end of it, like I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Catholic Church and all his holy saints. And I go, wow, I actually believe these words, you know. And there was little things happening along the way that, I was starting to see come in. I, you know, before, long before I came into the church, I met Monica. I had this desire to wear a crucifix around my neck, which is very uncommon because you don't grow up with crucifixes. It's just always a bare cross, always. And I don't know why, but I had it. I mean, God, he planted this picture in my mind and it was just so visible and it was pulling at me. So I went to buy this um, necklace on Amazon. It was, you know, just, but later on, I, I would wear it all the time. And later on, I ended up losing it somehow. It broke and I lost it. And then in the midst of me moving, I found it again. And I realized like, oh, it was a rosary necklace. So there's all these little things that kept like confirming and making me realize like God 
has always been with me all along the way. And he's placed our lady there before me, who was guiding me before I even knew it, close to the father. And all these pieces came together. And yeah, so I think it, it was just God's little touches along the way that kept propelling me. I remember one day, I you know, I, I can't remember what I said to her, but she told me, oh, you should go to adoration. And I go, what is that? And she goes, oh, you'll see, like, Christ is there. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, he's there. Just just go and see. So, And I went there, and in that moment, like, I truly believed in the Holy Eucharist and that Christ was there. And, and the Mass is what, going to Mass constantly is what changed my mind and formed me. I, I would see this server, and I was still questioning, like, Lord, are you, like, really, really there, you know? And... Yeah, you know, God is good. So yeah, God is definitely, he's definitely good. But I, I want to ask you something, Monica, because Raven mentioned a whole bunch of things that were little things along the way from a broken crucifix necklace to an invitation to adoration to a desire to pray the rosary. You were only like one of those things, Monica. Like there were a whole bunch of things and you were only one of them. And I, I wonder if you could speak maybe to something that um, I think is a challenge for us. And you kind of hinted at this when you're talking about like the scars of bad evangelization experiences. I think that, I mean, we, the theme of this episode is like ripple effects of conversion, like the little ripples um, that come from our own experience of God that ripple into the, you know, the lives around us. I think that we're often not content to be a ripple. Like we want to be the cannonball, you know, in the deep end of the pool, right? We're not content to be like one step in the process. Um, what have you learned kind of along the way about the, I mean, I guess really the reality that God doesn't ask every single person to be the be all and end all in another person's journey, but just to be a step in the process. I mean, like, what have you learned about that, you know, kind of through the, the experience of this, you know, compared with some of the other experiences you had, you know, before of, of trying to like really make a, make an impact that you felt could be measurable. So, um, and actually like I do evangelize a lot. I'm an emergency room nurse. I work full time in the emergency room. So I do evangelize to my patients uh, underground and uh, if if we're talking about a success rate, I'll say I have a one percent success rate. <laughs> <laughs> like is Raven, Raven the one? Raven is the point zero zero. My, that's my own. <laughs> so if we're talking about success rates, and I have to look at my success rate, like it's it's bad. Uh, if you're looking at the material terms like that, because the amount of beat-ups that I have taken from evangelization <laughs> does not even amount like I'm like so I think Jeremiah was even Moses complained like Lord you fooled me you fooled me you know like I, I you know you want to see like they say like when when you're going to a judgment God is going to ask you like how many people came with you I'm like uh just her like okay <laughs> but it's like you know but it's like every day I like I'm always looking like, where's the in? When somebody says something, I'm like, where's the in? Like, okay, how can I get in here? What's the objection? Okay, it's an intellectual, it's a beauty thing. So it's like, okay, how can I navigate that and work around that? And so, um, yeah, but the most important thing is not looking at it as a success rate, but it's like, what is God calling me to do at this moment? And um, like I said, he's calling me to be love to that person. So um, I, 
I'm just called to to be love at that moment um, and share and be authentic, uh, share true love, true joy, and that I have found in God and in the church. And also, I, I love to give resources. Um, I always have a book or a miraculous medal, something that I'll give somebody. And I've had people say like, "Oh, three years later, I read the book," or something like that. So, and always uh, remembering, like I always pray for those people who God is going to bring my way and through my sacrifice as well, and also praying for those whom God has brought my way. So I know in God's own providence that there's a seed that is planted. I may not see it. Uh, my, my daughter's father, uh, he passed away about two years ago and he was Catholic, but he wasn't practicing. And we prayed from the time that I was, I had the conversion at uh, three years. We'd pray every day with my daughter. Even when he was sick, we'd go to mass every day and pray for him. And we never saw him convert. But um, one thing when we went mass, the priest was talking about, like if somebody even doesn't have access to a priest, like he can say, Jesus, mercy. So we sent him a message. He was in Botswana and we sent him a message and said, like, will you come to us one day? He's like, I will. And like, he's like, oh, will you say Jesus mercy? He's like, obviously nothing. I have no control at this point. So I'll say Jesus mercy. So that is the only hope that we hold on to knowing that, that God has had our prayer uh, for his conversion. And we offered um, a requiem mass for him as well. So we do trust that God says, like, if you ask, uh, it shall be given. And we trust that God in his own timing, he'll, he'll make everything um, come to fruition. So really abandoning to divine providence and just being obedient to what God is asking at that moment and just doing it well and doing it with love and knowing that uh, in his divine providence, we'll see the fruit of it. Maybe not now. Uh, so my focus is not about the stats, but more about being loved to the person that God has presented to me. Well, and you know, you just hit on a big part of that right there, right? Um, I don't know I th you, you probably weren't on camera when any of these things are happening, but I've seen a little person dart back and forth behind you a couple of times here. Like that's a person that has been entrusted to you by God. Right. And you're just talking right. about like how, you know, how impactful is that going to be like years and years from now when she thinks about like that situation with her father? Like, I think sometimes we take for granted, like the, the, the things we do have in our own homes. Uh, right. When it comes to I mean, a lot of people have grown kids or don't have kids or aren't married and don't have, you know, families that are in their house. But a lot of us do. A lot of us do. You know, on that topic of ripple effects of conversion, uh, I can't help but think about, you know, the first example that always comes to mind with me is Ken Hensley, who's on staff here as the pastoral care director at the Coming Home Network. He was a Baptist pastor and, uh, you know, back in the 90s felt this call to to become Catholic. He was pastoring in in, you know. California, actually, where you two are, and left it all, went, became a waiter for a while, um, wasn't sure what was going to happen with him and his family, his wife and his two kids, and ended up working out. He found some some work. Um, it was a slog, you know, but his teenage daughter ends up taking it seriously, becomes Catholic, and I think now she's got 10, maybe 11 kids. I can't remember. Her last round was twins, so my numbers are kind of off. But like, you know, Ken talks about all the time, if we just stayed Baptists, and she'd have married a Baptist, I would have had like maybe one fourth of the grandkids that I have now. <laughs> like, I mean, just think about like the ripple effects, like even over, not just over, you know, three or four years, like three years between the time you give somebody that book and the time they read it, but like over the course of decades, like how this kind of thing can play out. And that's one of the things that I want to ask actually both of you about, um, because I think that it's easy for us when we're on our own journeys to be so wrapped up in like, what am I supposed to make of all this? Like, what does God want for me? Um, what does, what is God trying to teach me in this moment? Like, what should I be studying to learn about? 
like we can focus our journeys like on ourselves and at least for me it's easy to forget that like god doesn't just convert you for your own sake right he converts you for the sake of his body the church and the whole wide world <laughs> so raven you're the you're the youngest catholic among us in terms of like you've been in the long uh, the, the shortest amount um i wonder how like your perspective on this has kind of been formed in the few years you've been in the church yeah you know i even though monica was one of those many effects i think for our relationship has always been the undercurrent and so i've always like looked to her to help me understand like the path that I'm walking. And so I think that's always one of the things that's always been a hard like underline is that like, how do we see like each person that is coming towards us? So even then I always would keep that in mind as far as how I would see people. And I noticed that even before I had come into the church, I mean, you, you, you use what you have. I, I think we make this evangelization thing, you know, such a forceful tactical strategy but it's it's again it's when we say like what does it mean to love there's this easiness there's this enjoyment that you take in like meeting people and i realized that i i used like what i had naturally to just engage the people where where i was at work and then they would ask me questions and so i started to realize and i remember the pivotal point that even if i were to be catholic or where i am now like i realized that this is bigger than me you know i was getting a lot of tension you know from my family side and i started to realize that it is more than just me that i'm living for like this is this is all for them i'm offering this all for them and whoever else like comes my way and you know i just recently had this beautiful encounter with my husband's sister and she's starting you know to make her way back into the faith and even her at the state like realized you know that even though you know where i am what i am doing she said it so beautifully but she goes i realized that when my husband came into the faith. She said, you didn't come into the faith just for yourself. When you made that profession of vows, that was for me. That also was the lead way for the grace that I could then to be able to accept that. And so we realized that our life isn't our own, but those graces, they multiply, they multiply upon themselves, not just to stay within us, but to move through these other people. And so, and so that's what I constantly look for. Like, Lord, like, who do you want me to serve today? Like, how can I serve you best within this person? You know? And, and I think that's it. Yes. Monica, anything to add to that? No, I, I think what she said is true. Um, Cause I think it's the, the little way it's, you know, we sometimes think like it's this big whole drama. Like somebody said, I, I was talking about evangelization. It was that somebody mentioned like, oh, that's the job of the priest. Like, no, like we are called each one of us to be Christ to our family, to our friends, um, 
you know, the priest and the church administering the sacraments to help us form our interior life so we can be able to be Christ in our communities. So they are not with our family, you know, and it's through uh, our families that we are purified. And so, and how can we rise above ourselves and be Christ to those people and continue to be love and show love regardless of what is being, is coming against us. So uh, we do have the responsibility. It's not like we're not... on the uh, pulpit preaching, but it's like your life should be authentic. What you speak should relate to how you're living out that life. Because if if you're not consistent in living out, then it's like, you know, I think one of the saints says, I hate um, like bad Catholics because it's kind of, it's a bad PR. But if you're truly living it out uh, authentically and people see that there's no uh, discrepancy in how you're living and how you're speaking, and uh, we are doing, we are all not perfect, but we're doing our best to be Christ to that person, then um, that is the, the most important thing. And, and just remembering that each person has dignity and they were, they came from love. And so our duty is to be love to them. And I think about the families, each who opened their home to me. We didn't talk about anything specific to the church, but it was just their love that permeated the way they got to know me and to truly just enjoy me is what opened my heart for to allow those graces to come. It was just them conversing with me and showing me their life and saying, yeah, this is who we are. And it was just all these little things that were just sprinkled into it that made me go, oh, I desire this for myself. I would want this for myself without you having to say one word about <laughs> I don't know, whatever topic of the church you want to go at it. It's just them just being who they are and opening yourself. Like, you know, when we think about like the presence, the true presence, why is it the true presence? And why is he calling us the present? Like God is in the present. He is here and, and he is right now. And so we need to just be present to people, which means allowing ourselves to be seen by them and to see them and to open ourselves to them. And and that is the merciful love. And and, and just to comment, uh, Raven hasn't mentioned about her husband, uh, but uh, he actually lives a very, um, he's young, 25, 25? 27. Uh, 27 and he lives uh, for a young man he converted from a syriac orthodox and um he had the same questions and he came into the church but he lives a very orthodox authentic catholic life you know it's it's not hard it's not easy being catholic in this world you know uh but he does his best to speak it to live it and it, it really shows he's very principled so and i think that's for a lot of young people that's kind of an attraction like where the young people who are really living that bold authentic um Catholic life so and he's very confident about his faith whether in the in the workplace or outside he's very principled and not compromising of truth in, in a sense of love and discipline uh, which is very attractive for a lot of young people and I think that's also such a good witness as well if he's watching then <laughs> thumbs up for that but you know Monica you talked about something uh you know and I love talking about uh, the saints and their art supplies. So Mother Teresa said that she was like a little pencil in the hand of God, right? She was just willing to be like a little golf pencil, right? And the tiny part of God's plan. And, and uh, I think Teresa of Avila uh, back in the 16th century talked about being like a little paintbrush, right, in God's hand. And in between those two Teresas, you've got the other Teresa that you mentioned, Monica, which is St. Therese of Lisieux and her little way. And that's really what this is about, right? Like 
the ripple is almost imperceptible, right? But it it continues out. I mean, you throw a rock in a pond, those ripples are not waves, but they extend. They extend until you, I mean, they're invisible, but they're still going because like a millimeter, a half a millimeter at a time, this, those ripples are still going. And I think it's an important thing to to think about as we're, you know, going through our lives and, and figuring stuff out. Like to be content with saying, God, I don't know how this is going to work out and I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do and, and I don't have the right words. Um, and of course, Monica, you talk about being in an emergency room, like you're, everybody's coming to you and there's a bunch of stuff on their mind besides you know apologetics right now right but to just figure out like where what is my place in this like where where am i um by the way speaking of saint therese are you wearing a saint therese shirt monica yeah actually yes so it's talking about is it this shirt oh I just wanted to know. So if you can't see, this is St. Therese dropping roses on a demon and they're bursting him into flame because her chair is destroying, <laughs> it's destroying exactly. the works of the devil. That's the whole message. That's the whole message. <laughs> roses all Barrett the time. Is, I was about to say, Barrett is Catholic, is not paying for this spot, but they just got a free yeah. one, So <laughs> I saw that shirt and I'm like, that looks like a shirt that, looks like a shirt that I just bought. So, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. So... Perfect way to start. It is a perfect way to start Lent. I know. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, well, uh, last thing to go, um, if you could. Uh, so, so I'll get like a, a last comment from each of you, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. But, um, what encouragement would you give? And we'll start with you, Raven, uh, to someone who um, has a person in their life that they want to come home to the Catholic Church and they just want so bad to just like sit them in a chair and just tell them everything, right? Like what would you say to somebody to just encourage them, you know, to to be, well, what you said earlier, like present? Yes. Their conversion is not up to you. Their conversion is not up to you. It's up to God. So it's simply by you being present and and walking through with them and truly getting to know them, see that they have their struggles that they're battling with on a day-to-day basis. Enter into that with them. They have their joys. Enter into that with them. And then they'll feel more comfortable to share more of their lives to you and then allow God to work in that. But we must make we must make room for the Holy Spirit. I think the biggest thing is that I want to do it. I'm going to convert them. It's happening. No, it's not up to you. It's not up to you. And it is in God's time. And, and so just pray, pray for them and surrender, surrender. That's it. Sounds good. I think tough. it's that simple. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need to control this process. Yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's the issue, right? I mean, we want to just, we want to just like grab people by the shoulders and say, sit in the pew, you know, like, uh, yeah. And unless they're, and a- every moment, the some moment, five, we can't do that. You know? <laughs> yeah, and you just sprinkle a little here. Like there will always be an instance in where you can find this compelling word or something to say, but it will come as the Holy Spirit leads it. Just be present to them in that moment. Be present to their needs in that moment, and allow God to do the rest. And He'll He'll He will do the rest. But just be present to them. Present to the person that you're with. Present to the needs that they have. 
that we get so focused on, this is the end goal that I want, that you've completely missed the whole point of why you're there. So yeah, be present to their needs. That's it. It's great stuff. Monica, how about you? So I think a scripture says, uh, the Lord says, I have come that they may have life and have life in abundance. And uh, I think as the church, we have not done a very good job as myself as well to be a witness of that love because God truly has come that we may have life and love, have life in abundance. And if we truly understand that, that God really wants our happiness, our success, and he's not against us. So um, just having that openness that this is actually for my good. Um, God doesn't gain anything from us. We are the ones who are going to gain the most. And I think Raven can, can testify to that. I can testify to that, that the journey that I have really lived out the life authentically, it has been the best thing that could have ever happened to my life. So um, that is the most important thing, but authenticity in living that out. But also something uh, the book of the soul of the apostolate emphasizes, like building uh, that intimacy with Christ, uh, an interior life. Like, you know, um, they say that, you know, the world is sustained by the prayers of the people in the monasteries, and they're not out there preaching. Teresa Lasu was never on the street preaching, but it's through her prayers that she has, and uh, her witness that she continues to have this ripple effect as well. So um, our prayers do really matter, and if we truly give God, love God above all, and do give Him our time as priority in everything, go to Mass daily if you can, go to adoration, build that intimate, read your scripture, like really build that understanding. Also be prepared to, I think scripture says, be prepared to give, uh, um, um, what, what is that? Be prepared to respond to the questions that you're being presented, I think in the book of Titus. So it's very important taking the time to study your faith because you, you'll invest in what matters to you. So investing in eternal life is really important. So put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, um, invest in your own formation, take the time to read, uh, listen to spiritual podcasts, but most importantly, spend time with the Lord because anything that you're going to do is going to come from God giving him, he's giving you his strength. So adoration, pray the rosary, like focus on those things as a priority, and then he will inspire you, um, guide you on what needs to happen. Because like I said, never nobody ever preached to me when I had my conversion. This lady said, oh, come to this evangelical church. I said, no, I've been Catholic. This found me here, so I'll start looking here. So I had to validate the church from where I was. But it was through living that liturgical and sacramental life that God himself gave me the understanding um, and the discernment to seek his will and to listen to his voice at all times. So if we prioritize that above all, then we'll be able to to be with those witnesses because then it's not my project, it's God's project. I think Bishop Barron speaks to that, the theodrama versus the ego drama. And um, let God be the, the director, the act, the producer, and we are just a conduit and cooperating with that and also abandoning to divine providence, like knowing that everything will happen in God's timing as long as we do. We are not God, he's God. So allowing him to do what he needs to do when he wants to do, but only us being accountable for what we are being called to do. So I think that's um, what I would suggest. We've dropped a couple of great book titles in the mix of that. <laughs> Soul, of, Soul of the Apostolate and Abandonment to Divine Providence. Uh, now, I will say one thing, just to kind of uh, an addendum. Um, the verse you were hunting for was always be ready to give an answer yes. uh, to, you know, for the hope that is uh, within you. It's actually not Titus. That's First Peter 3.15. You know why I know that? Oops. Because I, <laughs> I was raised Protestant. So there you go. <laughs> so, so there yeah. you go. That's... that's <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
if we could, before we let you go, uh, I know that, I don't know if you're still doing much of it anymore, but I know you did a bunch of episodes with Bread with the Sisters. Uh, we've got that linked at um, in, in the show notes so people can check that out. It's also going to be on the lower thirds. But Monica, I know you've also got a planner um, with uh, simplicity and productivity. If you could just mention what that is before we let you go in case our listeners might be interested in that or any of the projects you have related to the whole simplicity and productivity thing. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I'm very passionate about, especially from my experience working in the ER, is living a life of purpose. Because especially now, we do see a high rate of depression and suicide among young people. And the reason why is like they lack the identity, they don't know who they are, and then they don't. If they don't know who they are, they don't know their purpose and mission. So through my journey in the ER, realizing that there's a hunger out there for purpose and mission, and once we convert. We, in order to live that life of God, we have to find the purpose and mission that God has for us because each one of us has a gift that is unique that God has called us to use to bring to the world. So um, that's my next thing. After your conversion, what next? So what next is your mission and how are you being using your gifts for the glory of God? So to that end, um, I published a children's book and it's a Catholic theology in the same genre, um, like Chronicles of Narnia, but Catholic theology um, just to bring about the subject of uh, virtue, uh, they say in the Renaissance times, everybody knew what virtue was, but now nobody even knows what virtue is. A college student can't even tell you what virtue is. So kind of bring up that subject. And also we're going to be launching a board game and my second children's book. And then also simplicity and productivity. Um, the goal is to train people to to prioritize God. Uh, so we're working on developing a program that is going to help mentor like Catholics who are really interested in living out that mission to really pursue and know how to prioritize and manage their time so they can use their gifts uh, for the glory of God and also for, for the world. And um, yeah, so those are the main projects that, are, that I'm working with. But I think also Raven is working with Saints Alive as well. Oh, are you? Tell me yeah. about that then. Uh, so I do voiceovers as well. So I came here for acting. So I'm still pursuing. I can it. tell, by the way, that you were in radio work uh, the second you opened your mouth when we first talked a couple of years ago. <laughs> you were going to do voice stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> as a radio guy, I'm a radio All guy. Right. So I, I like tell. it. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So one of the projects that I've done is Saints Alive. Uh, Saints Alive is a beautiful, um, voiceover, uh, who is all about bringing Catholic saints to the forefront for children in particular. And so they have different stories on the saints, um, that they collect, have a different collection of actors for. Um, I did one for St. Baquita that just recently came out. So you all can listen to that. She's a great, great saint of the church and one of my personal favorites. Um, and then I'm also sewing veils. So we have a website, Mater Velorum, that you all can check out. Um, and that's been one of the beautiful things that I really come to love um, about this aspect of the church is the veiling of women and how it allows you to see, again, this true dignity before God. Um, and I think it truly helps women come to set and see themselves as daughter of God by adorning themselves with this beautiful veil of humility that they're able to see the relationship between him and ourselves more clearly. Um, so definitely veil. Please check out Mater Valorum as well. All right, we're going to put those things in the show notes. In the meantime, I uh, want to also encourage people, if you're looking for any resources, uh, you know, as we've talked today, you know, in numerous ways, like you're Catholic now, what? Uh, we got a lot of stuff for you uh, in that regard at chnetwork.org. We also have an online community. If you want to plug in uh, to that, it's a closed social network that's basically just for people who are asking questions like this 
Um, it's not on you know any other kind of public social media. It's our own social media platform. Go to community.chnetwork.org if you want to plug into that. Um, and again, if you want to support this and other projects that we're working on at the Coming Home Network, it's all listener supported. We don't really have much to sell. So uh, go to chnetwork.org slash donate. It's just a bunch of Catholics who love the Lord trying to help other people find um, what they need to help them along the journey. So we would really appreciate your support on that. Raven Johanan, Monica Anyango, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, I really appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. And thank you for watching this episode of CH Network Presents. We'll talk to you next time around. Bye.